welcome to Books, Broads, and Booze. This is your host, Jamie Bennett, and... This is Monica. Hello, hello. Yay! Uh, this month, we are bringing you another new self-help book. Yippee! <laughs> I picked up this book. Uh, it's called Big Potential by Sean Acor. I saw it on the, my Goodreads list. I've been going through and trying to knock off books of the list. It was my 2020 goal before things went all to hell and so I was like I need to start working on it again. I'm down to like, I don't know, 50 books or so. This was a good choice. I thought it was a great choice. So Monica, you want to tell us a little bit about the book? Yes, the book actually is very helpful for people who are in a corporate life working in teams or at schools, working in teams, anytime you have a group of people that you need to get something accomplished, be creative and authentic in your work. It's about learning how to move away from our tendency to be focused on individual success and putting other people down in order to make ourselves feel better because he's saying that that's really detrimental to having a good outcome. And I think that that's true. And I thought the book expressed those ideas very well i i don't work in corporate america per se i work in a chemistry lab and i have you know we have like 12 people in our department so i thought i thought this book would work for us too where you're trying to work as a collective there's like a collective mindset like our business has a personality and we need to meet these goals and all of us should be working together. And it, it's not, I mean, it's all very specific based on what you can do, but you don't have to limit, limit it. Right. Yeah, I found I had to dig back um, into my career. I work alone and on third shift. Definitely no teamwork involved unless you include my other personalities. But, <laughs> but I, I did used to work in banking. And I have been to some of these events where you go with a, you know, a sales team and they try and pump you up and, and everything. And so I can see how a lot of those strategies didn't work for us then and, and why they didn't work. And you don't, you know, at the time you just think this is really a waste of time, you know. But when you really think about it you can figure out why it doesn't sit right with you or feel right when it's happening. So, but I do feel like it's useful in my life now. There's a lot of projects and things that I would like to do. And what I've learned is I do try to do everything alone and, and it's not gonna happen. Um, ever since I was very young, the way I have been described by my mom always is you were always so independent <laughs> <laughs> you know so that is really that was really visceral to me when I started reading this book it's like yes I am I have those negative core beliefs that I should do it on my own I should be able to do it on my own that you're weak if you need help you know all of these things that I know aren't true but I, it's ingrained in me and who I am. I was hooked when he talked about big magic. Was that it? Me too. And I was <laughs> like, oh, that was our first podcast. And that book had such an impression on me. I'm like, okay, I, I'm all in. What yeah. do you got to say? Yeah. Anybody <laughs> who loves Elizabeth Gilbert is okay by me. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> 
So do you want to start us off, Monica? Yeah, I think the first thing that I had um, marked was that, yes, we are raised for individual success. We condition our children this way, um, and we want our kids to be the smartest kids in the class, and we want our kids to stand out and to be successful. But really, this kind of mentality is the beginning, is the beginning of the problem that we don't even know we have. Right, of loneliness and depression mm -hmm. and too much stress, too much anxiety, uh, living your life in this competitiveness mm -hmm. forever. So, like, some some of it, like, when he talks about the, the seeds, I thought, you can even do this with your friendships. Yes. Yes, you really can. And I also think it's, um, you know, it's super interesting that, we don't utilize our support systems more. We feel like we're a failure if we need help, when in actuality, community and family and friends, like any major big change that happens or any grand event that happens, it's not just one person who does it. Right. So, yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting. And, and it's funny because... There's this joke going around the internet about, um, you know, formerly gifted children. And I think that maybe that's a Generation X thing where you were singled out and like, you were really smart and you were gifted and you had all this pressure put on you that you were going to do all these wonderful things. And all of these formerly gifted children are like super mentally ill and stressed <laughs> out and have anxiety and make like minimum wage. And, you know, like I can relate. It's really hard to live up to that pressure the peak performance all the time right. you're always on you need to be the best yeah right so he started off the book that way and and i really liked it i really liked the beginning of the book especially was my favorite part um another thing that he had said is um working with other people on projects is really helpful in the creative process but a lot of times, especially in America, people are afraid to share their ideas because they're afraid they're going to get stolen. Oh, right. You know? Yes. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of projects that could have gotten off the ground and, you know, wonderful things had come of it, except for we have this fear of my ideas are going to be stolen and I have to do this by myself. And... They don't want somebody else taking it and expanding it and making it better. And then it becomes theirs and not yours because then, you know, it's all about you and your prestige and your accolades and you can't share that limelight either. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem is we don't have it. He talks a lot about finding meaning in, in your life and in your work. And if you, your work has meaning, it should be about the fulfillment of your work to the best it is, no matter who's involved, rather than, like you said, taking all the credit for it. Right. Your work should be able to stand on its own just as the product of your work, not that you accomplished it yeah. all, yeah. which I think would be super beneficial for everybody in my lab. <laughs> <laughs> I really think it would be. I'm, I mean, like... I love my coworkers. I have worked with them a really long time. I've been at my job for nearly 20 years. Mm. So I, I love 
my work. I love the people I work with. However, we could improve. We have all these, you know, customer targets that we need to meet and we continually fail at it. And everything that we've tried is continuing to bend below the mark. So something with a different mindset like this, mm-hmm. it might help. Yeah, I think so. And and you talked about SEEDS earlier, which yes. is kind of his premise of the book. And it's an acronym for surround, expand, enhance, defend, and sustain. Now, I thought a lot of these were, for me, I'm going to have to work on. For example, surround. Surround yourself with positive influencers and all types of people, including um the ones that are there for you, those are the pillars. Bridges, that's like your networking, the people that connect you to others, and extenders who push you out of your comfort zone. And I'm thinking to myself, bold of you to assume that I know three people. <laughs> you know, so so there is this mindset when you're reading the book, it is for a certain type of person who has a network of people that they can draw resources from. I think the struggle for a lot of people would be in building that network to begin with. Right. Yeah, having a social foundation to be able to meet your goals. Right. Which is so important for people, especially if you're experiencing depression and loneliness. You do need to have um, social support and, and those structures as part of your life that you do need to be able to utilize to get yourself out of it. Right. Because mental health is a personal affliction but it's not a personal experience. It affects your entire family and your friends. So you need to be able to use everybody who's being affected by it to help you with it. But it's, that is the hardest thing of all. You know, and, and you can, you know, I like to make jokes of it when I'm feeling bad. You know, I'll start to joke about it or whatever. But probably the hardest thing ever for me would be to say to someone... I am not doing okay. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I still don't know if I could do it. And, you know. I like the opposite. Like, <laughs> the guy at the grocery store is like, how are you today? I'm like, man, I am not feeling it today. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's good, though, too. That touches on another thing is about, you know, having a negative um, experience or feeling does not mean that you're not a positive person. So authentically expressing yourself when you are feeling bad is better than saying you're good when you're not. Right. You can't take any steps unless you admit where you are, I guess. So it's the hard thing is intellectually knowing that and then... Being able to actually rule it out in real life. (laughs) So the next um, letter was E for expand your power by helping others. And lead from every seat, no matter what position they hold. I think that's perfect. Right. In a team, there shouldn't be a superstar. Everybody is important in the process. Right, right. Um, We had enhance your resources by being a prism of praise. I think this is probably you and I's favorite part, which is like sharing with other people positive things about them and then they'll share positive things with other people it's like a i don't even know what is it like a snowball (laughs) yes right yeah you know 
it, and it says that the praise should be specific and authentic and not to be comparative by pushing other people down to push somebody up. So it has to be like real praise because he does talk about backwards compliments and how it's not really a compliment and that you need to be able to give genuine, specific, purposeful praise to people. That's a really good point because you can't just say, oh, you know, your, you know, your project turned out so much better than so-and-so's. And then you're thinking to this yourself. This is the best project oh. that we have at the table. Yeah. Yeah, because, oh, well, they're all trash, but yours is the better one. Yeah. Not really a compliment. And not really, like he says, um, conducive to that positive energy you want to include in your team. Right. So the next one was defend. Defend the system you build against negative attacks. The more you surround yourself with positive voices, the easier positive change will be to sustain and even amplify. That's not always entirely possible. You don't you don't really have a whole lot of control sometimes over the negative Nellies within your workplace. <laughs> I wish I did. Believe me. <laughs> And then sustain yeah. it all by fueling the virtuous cycle of cascading success that amplifies your own. So that seeds, that's kind of like the premise of his book. Right. And I do have a favorite quote. It says, the more you help people find their light, the brighter you both will shine. And I can attest to that because Jamie gave me a super wonderful and sweet card that was very heartfelt and it made my day and it made me want to cry a little because it was so nice and it does it did make me want to tell other people how much I appreciate them in my life too so it is it's natural for those positive things to want to flow I got a card from a coworker who just left Friday and I was cleaning my house and I found this card that I was supposed to fill out and it was supposed to be a gratitude card. It was given to me to be a gratitude card to mail to anybody. And I think it was a long time ago that I got <laughs> this too. And I found it and I thought, oh, I know exactly who this is for. <laughs> <laughs> it was super nice. <clears throat> so let's see. What other... I do like oh. how... Oh, go ahead. It's like there's... My... My two takeaways from the book were that a single positive person could end up creating a ripple effect of positivity and those that are, is sort of, it's like a infectious disease spreads positivity through and that we need to develop uh, an elevated pitch to convince others to be positive forces for change. Yeah. Cause it's that, that's that hard part, convincing people to be positive. Right. And we're so trained to, gossip and be negative and those things are exciting and they're everywhere in the well, news and in the media and I think um, that's just part of our evolutional biology too is to help uh protect us and keep the genes going you don't need to know all the positive things going on to stay alive mm -hmm. what you do need to know is where all the danger is to avoid it and to learn from others mistakes so we have a natural tendency towards the negative because our brains are wired that way. Yeah. You need to know what was the sound before the tiger striked, mm. where that watering hole over there was poisoned, so-and-so died. So those things are more likely to stay in our brains than 
But he did make a point, things. too, in the book that if we can, if we can rewire our brains for this, he said that people who are successful pursue happiness. Right. And that people who pursue success are less happy. And you would think that would be counterproductive. So a lot of these, I think we need to overcome our biology a yeah. little bit. Retraining <laughs> our brain, we rewiring our brain, redoing the way that we think about things. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but yeah. it's doable. You should tell everybody about what you got us to drink today. It's oh. super good. So we live in Michigan where the bars are all closed. <laughs> So one of the local bars is turned into a bottle shop, and he has all these vodka and sodas. So I picked up some. It's called High Noon Sun Sips. Pineapple vodka sodas. So they're a little bit bubbly, so hopefully I'm not over here belching in the microphone. I know. I worried about that in the last show. I was like, oh. It was so good. I drank it so fast. It's like, I hope I'm not being disgusting. Uh, yeah, it was it was a little too carbonated for me. I like the this isn't as carbonated, but I like the flavor of last month's better. I like this one better. It's um really tropical kind of tasting. It's it, nice. It is, but it's also like ragweed season, so maybe I'm just not smelling as well as I should be. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> um, another part that I thought was super interesting in the book. Um, I don't remember what led up to it, um, but I flagged it. So he's talking about anxiety and, and how these things can make you, I mean, anxiety weakens your immune system was actually what he said. So he's talking about, let's say you have an earache and your earache is caused by a virus. I'm not here to say, so like don't go to doctors and sickness is all in your head. Like that's not what I'm saying. But I do believe that your emotions and how you feel can leave you susceptible to getting ill in, or pain in different areas. And that's your body's way of trying to tell you something. So if you have a lot of anxiety, you've weakened your immune system, you get a virus, you get an ear infection, right? So that forces you when you're sick to slow down it's actually your your body is ill but it's trying to help you it's trying to point out these areas in your life that you need to work on and it's i thought it was interesting that he touched on this because um i have a huge book called metaphysical anatomy that's all about the psychological causes for pain if you have knee pain it means this or if you you know what I mean right, it, right like I said it doesn't mean that your your knee pain isn't arthritis or that arthritis isn't real that's not what it means it's just saying that our brains are so powerful that our emotions like that affect our physical body yes they do yes yeah so I I don't know I thought it was super cool that he touched on that so I got some interesting questions to ask that I downloaded. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of the website I got them from because, oh, it was um, from Coaching for Purposeful Engagement and Social Impact uh, called Essential Leadership. So I thought that this could be applied not to just like your regular work, like your work work, but like um, what you enjoy, your art, those sorts of things. So it's mm -hmm. like, 
Are you helping to improve people's lives with your work? Are you able to connect with people on a deeper level? So that would be like, okay, our podcast is part of our art, is part of our creativity-ness. Mm-hmm. So we're using it to help improve people's lives, giving them entertainment, hopefully for a half hour, mm-hmm. suggesting new books that they could read, different ways to look upon their lives, and hopefully connecting with them in a genuine way. So I was like... Yes, yes we are. <laughs> and I think that is a great question and one that I ask myself about my jobs a lot. Is what does this job mean? And you know, in order to fulfill those things, I have to go back to my waitressing days. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I've I've had a lot of, you know, good jobs. I work in logistics right now. I've been a bank manager, but really the job that made me feel like I was contributing to the happiness of people and actually providing a service that I could be proud of was waiting tables. <laughs> you know? I have uh, I have a couple of favorite local restaurants in Athos. I, ha- I definitely have favorite wait staff that I'll be like super excited that we can get to one. Yeah. And uh, I always have lunch with my friend Chris and he has long hair that he, he keeps him tied back in a ponytail. And there is one gentleman that will always call him ma'am. And we laugh and laugh and laugh about it. And the other guy will, like, he makes jokes at himself for having called him ma'am. Uh, it was it happened, like, four or five times. It wasn't just, like, once. It was, like, a lot of times. And then he would get all embarrassed about it and flustered. And it was like, oh, I should know when I see her. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there was other questions that said it's like are you helping to improve the world even in a small way then how do you expand the influence in an interconnected world how am i impacting others with my life and my energy how do i raise potential by making others better so i was talking to some friends that work about this just recently i feel better when i have energy of other people around me and it doesn't have I don't have to be interacting with them. Like, for example, my kids go with their dad for the weekend. I feel lonely and drained, and I feel like I have no energy, and I have this huge list of things that I need to get done, and I have to sort of force myself, like, oh, you need to mop because the house feels like I'm living in a fraternity, right? Because boys. boys. (laughs) And then, like, I have all this laundry and these things to do, and I just I feel so drained. And they'll come home late Sunday, and I suddenly feel re-energized, like, I can get everything that I didn't do done in an hour. (laughs) And you know, and I'm entirely the opposite. And I really relate to and found a lot of encouragement from Brene Brown, who is articulate. She's a public speaker. She is very outgoing, but she also said that being around a lot of other people and doing a lot of these things that she does well and can do is very emotionally draining for her. So I'm the opposite. I don't get anything done around my house when people are home. I cannot wait for them all to leave. And when they're gone, then, I mean, I'll be painting the kitchen if you leave me alone too long, you know? So, and it's not that I don't like people. I do like people a lot. Right. But I I definitely get my energy from my alone time. Right, the introvert versus the extrovert. Yeah, Renee Brown is a very spoken i'm an introvert i don't really like people this is really tiring <laughs> it's like um, i love humanity but <laughs> i love humanity individual people are hard <laughs> yeah 
from the privacy of my home. <laughs> uh, let's see if I have any other notes here. Okay. No, I think that was the extent of the notes that I had. Well, I know you both, uh, we both liked the part about where he said to send something positive and encouraging, just two short little messages a day. Send an email, send a text. Oh, right. For, go through everybody in your contacts mm -hmm. list. I meant to do that. Yes. I, it reminded me of my random friend of the day that I, I used to I was going to bring that up. Yes, on the Facebook, this is my random friend of the day. And you would say all these wonderful things about that person. And I thought that was so great. It was so much work. It was it was a lot of work. So I took a list of all my Facebook friends. I don't know how many it was. I, I kept it all. It's on a Google spreadsheet. Well, actually, the income I have deleted it. I'm not sure. Yeah. 200 people. And I um, went through a random number generator. Everybody had a number. And then I put them in this list based off the random number generator. And then I wrote out something about them that I liked and or. Mm -hmm you know, how we knew each other or something like that. And then I would post it of one every day Yeah. for like And I loved months. reading what you wrote about other people. And some of these people, I didn't even know who they were. Yeah. And it was really uplifting. And I think that's a way we can use social media. He talks a lot about one of the things I've wanted to do is have social media Sunday where I only get on social media one day a week. Oh, nice. And, nice. And he talks about not inundating yourself with news, which I don't. I don't think either one of us do. So a lot, of, but social media, I mean. It's an addiction it, I have. Me too, because it's. You know, like any kind of coping mechanism, especially when we're stuck at home with this pandemic, it's, oh it's easy to do. But people who post things like that, like when you post that, or I have another friend who has like a daily memo that he posts um, something uplifting. So I try to filter my news feed so that I see more of those types of things. And I haven't really gotten to the point where I am the person who posts those types of things. I would like to, but... Um, yeah, I haven't haven't really done that yet. <laughs> With the Facebook memories, my friends are now seeing Aww. their their former friend of the day posts on Facebook. So I've had a couple of people. Are you gonna do that again? Aww. And I was just like, you're like, no, no, <laughs> no. I mean, I did it yearly for like three years, and it was like ten years ago when I did it. So it was like ten, nine, eight years ago. It was so much work, but I, I just got my screen time alert from my phone today. And it was telling me, like, how much time I spent on on my activity uh, last week. Uh, so it was 21 hours on my phone. I spent uh, 12 hours on Facebook, mm -hmm. 2 hours on Instagram. I spent 4 hours playing a Harry Potter Wizards Unite. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I need to do something. This is a bit of a problem. You know, but I found... I was talking to somebody about this. It's almost like the more time I have, the less I do. The busier I am, say the more um, the more hours I have to work, the more appointments I have, the more obligations I have, the more the more I'm structured able to your time is. Mm -hmm. the, when you have unlimited open time, mm -hmm. you don't structure it because there's nothing that's important or pressing. So you need to have structured time. To make it more productive. Well, because one of the things I've always wanted to do is, you know, I want to work on some metaphysical projects. I'm not sure what, 
you know, something, do some things with my tarot cards or maybe do like a, you know, like an e-course or a podcast like this about like more metaphysical type subjects. Um, and I always thought, you know, oh, when I have time, you know, I'll do this when right, I have time, right. I'll do this. With the pandemic and my vacation days and I'm working from home, I am literally working three days a week. I got all the time in the world and I am not even cleaning my house as much as I used to. It's like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> you, you need more structure put in there. You yeah. need to, to make it work and make it a time commitment. Say this is work. This is important. And I'm going to designate these hours, these days for this work, which is, it is work because you have to do it. Right. And it's important. And it's, and it's something that would help me find meaning. I don't find meaning for my job. Right. You know? And so it's something that is meaningful to me. And I think the more I worked on it, the better that I would feel. I, I look at the hours that I spend on Facebook and I calculate how many books I could have read with those hours. <laughs> and I always go, oh, really? <laughs> Uh, 12 hours? I'm like, I could have read two books. <laughs> and so I'm scrolling through, like, the same five posts on Facebook. That's stupid. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, I need to stop. But, you know, it's a lot of it is not just that we love Facebook. I mean, it's like anything else. We could have a much more unhealthy coping mechanism. As far as coping mechanisms go, Facebook is pretty, you know, harmless. Yeah. So I used to have a Pinterest addiction. Mm. Yeah. So they, it, I just sort of left one for the other. <laughs> <laughs> but still, they're very mild. At yeah. least we're conscious of it. That's right. what I like to think. I When I'm scrolling, I'm not just blindly scrolling anymore. Now I'm thinking, you know what? I feel like I need an escape from thinking about the stuff I'm thinking about. I'm going to make a conscious choice, and I'm going to sit here and throw, scroll through Facebook for a few hours. And it doesn't make it any better that I'm doing that, but the... but. Not doing it unconsciously, I think, is making me better able to to even want to do things like maybe only have social media someday or whatever. That would never would have occurred to me before. My uh, Instagram feed had a social media influencer who puts a timer mm. on and will only go through her posts for this certain amount of time. And it's because she gets feedback from people. It's like her followers and whatnot. She doesn't want to overly internalize everything. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's a nice idea. Mm -hmm. I, could, uh, I could incorporate that into my life. That, yeah. that's, that could be useful, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I just then lay there as a blob and not do anything. But, <laughs> well, you know, and baby I, steps. <laughs> I think that's the whole thing of this book, too, is it's like, you know, we've got to focus more on what we can do, not only what we can do, but how can we do it, what resources can we use, what people can we work with. Um, right, and I what I loved about it, too, is like he was talking about your personality is your personality, but it can be influenced by the people that you surround yourself with. Oh, and it can be influenced point. by, you know, the the people at your job. And, that, and the stress and the anxiety that you're around. Right. And um, I, I was totally on board with that. And, I like, and that's sort of like how societies are. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, we have this sort of collective personality mm -hmm. based on what we feel is important. And that sort of pushes different views and agendas on 
you know, people and some people conform, some people don't conform. Yeah. But yeah, it's like we're, we have, our personalities be, can be influenced by groupthink. Right. Yeah, we have our individual personality, but also our group mentality. And a lot of that is how we, some people feel better when they're accepted by a group and they will say and do things to fit in. And other people feel better kind of rebelling against the group and being that individual. And, and you know, again, it comes down to being consciously aware of why you're doing these things and and what you hope to accomplish. What, what Ask yourself the questions. You know, what does bring me meaning in my life? Who can help me? Um, who do I want to surround myself with? The, I felt like the book definitely made me feel better. I'm glad I had read it. My only criticism of it is maybe it's just how my brain works, but especially in the middle part, there was a lot of like statistically oh, mass stuff that I was so like, much math. Blah, 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 blah. So much math. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much math. Yeah. I, I love math. I am a math geek. Uh, and it was... Too much. There was a lot of. It, was, just, it yeah. was so much that it would it you. You couldn't recall any of the statistics that he gave because there's there's just so much of it. Yeah. I mean, as a data scientist, I deal with data. I love data and I love numbers. And I was like, oh, all the data, yeah. but it was just so much. It was overwhelming. Yeah, I agree. It was way too much. Like, if there was enough that I could be like, oh, well, I have these statistics that I know that I could tell people and help them with like, you know, there's science, it's, it's data driven, which is important. And, you know, he's, he goes through that it with the science and the data for all these statistics. Mm-hmm. It was just too much. Yeah. I agree. But I agree. yeah, I mean, I love data. I love data. <laughs> I'm such a data nerd. I'm like, Oh, show me the numbers. Give me the data. Why, I do people get paid for this. Why am I not doing this? I also thought it was interesting how he talked about how, um, his involvement, I was it at Harvard, how he got involved in the positive psychology movement, which I think is a lot of what his work is based on. And so the concept of positive psychology is fascinating because we go to psychiatrists and they try and pinpoint what's wrong with us and make us better. Where positive psychology studies those outliers, those people who are doing well, and tries to figure out how they're doing it. So they so can other give people those can replicate tools. it. Yeah. Right. It's um it's perfect. It's wonderful. I really like that concept. Yeah, me too. Yeah. What, what is working for you and how can we expand that and make that better for you? Yeah, how can we use what you do naturally and put it into steps that other people can can try to like you say replicate. It Yeah, I think that is mind-blowing it has mind-blowing potential but systems are so slow to change you know oh yeah it's like (laughs) but we've always done it this this way we need to talk about how your parents (laughs) programmed you from childhood (laughs) oh even my work is like that's not the way we do it Mm -hmm. we've done it this way for 40 years and that's the way we're gonna keep doing it yeah yeah so change is slow but slow, but it happens it, like just little micro nuances, just mm-hmm. ever so slowly. So yeah. at least it's still happening, right? Yes, definitely. 
Well, was there anything else you wanted to discuss on the book? No, I think we went through everything in my list that stood out for, for me. I, um, it did make me want to read his other book, The Happiness Advantage. I did read that book. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I don't remember what my, if I, let me look up real quick. Mm-hmm. You talk. Yeah, I mean, that, and his wife also writes similar books. I thought it was cute that he, um, referenced her work in his work. So it sounds like they, they work on this same kind of topic together a lot. But yeah, I thought the happiness advantage might be a little bit more focused on, say, your personal life and your personal happiness rather than, um, team, working in teams, which I felt like it was important and useful, like we said, in so many different ways. But maybe the other one would be a little more applicable to my everyday life. <laughs> I can't see if I left a review of it or not, but <laughs> I really enjoyed that book. I, I read it a few years ago, but yeah, I, I definitely recommend both Now, books. and we saw him speak on YouTube like a TED Talk too, right? He's he does a, have a yeah. TED Talk. He's a great public speaker. His first book. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, he's funny and definitely... Um, his voice is good for verbal communication. <laughs> his his um style. It what it yeah he's hilarious. Oh, I did not write a review on it. Oh, I'm such a slacker. <laughs> I read it two years ago, so I was like, I don't have any idea what I thought of it. But <laughs> I liked it. That's all I got. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everyone, and uh, I have a a very short clip that my younger son wanted to leave for you guys so that's at the end of the show thank you bye bye stay safe and goodbye